you're listening to the Pomerado Christian Church Sermon Podcast. Thank you for spending time with us today. If you're a weekly listener, welcome back. If this is your first time, we're so glad you're here and hope you consider subscribing. If you're in your car, on a run, doing things around the house, or working out, and want to connect even further and take next steps with us, visit pomerado.info. Now, enjoy this week's message. Good morning, everyone, and welcome. I want to welcome those of you who are here with us in person. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us online. We are continuing our series called Beyond the 52, and today's topic is called Call to Witness. And so we're going to uh, dive into that in a few moments. We're going to look at Acts 1 for a moment, 1 Peter 2 for a second. Um, but what I want to do before we even unpack this is to... Um, kind of break down the idea of call and witness in the very beginning. First off, uh, for the idea of witness, um, recently, this was, uh, gosh, a little less than two weeks ago, uh, uh, Elise and I were driving in our car, and um, we were trying to go straight, and the car was trying to merge and to go and cut off into this lane here. And there's a car in front of us, and the car in front of us, uh, this car over here was trying to get to it, but the car in front of us like went, so they stopped, and we were behind it, and then this car just didn't even look. And so it just came right into us, right? And so we go, and it, it like scrapes the side um, of our car. It's the side that uh, Elise was on. So she's fine. We're fine. Everything's um, fine except the car. And so we, we had this moment where like, oh, you know, you just have this moment. I'm trying to get her uh, to church. Uh, there was the Faith Rock that night. I'm like, okay, we got to get her there. But as we do, I go and I veer off to the right in order to, to pull in. And that car that was trying to go right, I mean, this is the direction that car was going, just zooms to the left and goes off. And you're like, oh, man. So, you know, my, my thought, I'm like, okay, I try to make a U-turn, and, and I could see, like, where that car is and where they're going, but um, we got stuck behind the light, and all of a sudden, like, okay, the, the car is gone. I pull over, look at the damage, um, and, you know, we're able to, we're getting it worked on right now. And so it's just one of those where, I'm just really frustrated because I don't know if you've ever been uh, someone who was in a hit and run and, and you were the one who was hit. And it just, it's just so frustrating because it's like in that moment, I'm not thinking, oh, maybe make sure I get my phone and get the license played. I'm just like, oh, man, what do I do? Pull over. And then that person just leaves. And there's this dynamic where I'm like, okay, I remember when we were there. I remember like where we were that there, were, um, there was a uh, camera, a cell phone, or cell phone camera, excuse me, a uh, light camera, stoplight camera. And so I'm like, okay, like Steph did a, a great job. She called in and made the report while I was um, at work at the time. And then um, I call back. I'm like, well, I, I know they said there wasn't a camera. I'm like, I know there was a camera. I drove by later the, the next day and I saw there was a camera there. So I'm like, I'll call in and follow up. And when I called in, I was like, oh, you know, I want to make a, you know, follow up on a claim or, or on a police report. And I was like, well, when, where I was, I remember that there was a, a traffic camera. And I didn't need to say what intersection I was. I didn't say anything. They just, oh, they don't, they don't work. I was like, they don't work. Like, what, what do you mean? Like, none of them work. And so um, it wasn't in Poway. So for most of you who live here, you don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to lead you astray. But where I was... It was just one of those where I was just like, they just don't work. I'm like, what I would love was to have been able to have, there wasn't an eyewitness, but to have some corroboration of what happened and to hopefully try to find out, just maybe license plate, some way so that we would not be liable for someone else's hit and run. 
And so this idea of wishing that there was a witness to see something that has happened to us and wishing that there was a witness who could stand up and say, hey, I saw it and I could stand up for you. Or I saw it and I could advocate for you. Or I'm a camera and I actually function. That would just be a nice dynamic. So there's this idea of just wanting to have a witness to see and to let known what has been seen. But then there's also this idea of being called to witness. And, and now we're switching gears from being the one that something happens to us and some, something witnesses to our role as witnesses. That we have the honor, the privilege, the responsibility to be able to share with other people, to those in our, our family, our friends, our community, our world, we have the honor to be able to talk about what we've seen and to stand up for what's been done. That we have the opportunity to see what Jesus has done in our lives, to see what he's done in his word throughout history, and to be able to point people to that. And yet, I don't know about you, but um, my natural inclination is if, if I don't have a phone number in my phone, I don't pick up the call. Like there's this idea where you get the phone, I'm like, okay, we, we have a 626 number, so anytime there's a 626 number that I don't have in my phone, I'm like, this is definitely a robocall. Like, this is not someone that we know, and so I just let it go. But when it's like an 858 number or, or um, 619, I'm like, should I pick it up? Should I don't? And then there's that sign, or there's the, for iPhone users at least, it's like, it says like deny or accept, and you just, you just decide what to do in that moment. And so when I get an incoming call, if I don't know who it is, I look at it, and most, more often than not, unless I'm expecting something specific, I click deny. And here's where these two ideas connect, is that we have been called to be witnesses, that we've been called to be able to be people who talk about what Jesus has done. We use our words, and we share our faith, and we serve the world through our actions. And so many times, whether it's because of fear or insecurity or not having all the answers or feeling like we just aren't prepared, it's like God, the Holy Spirit is calling us to share with someone. And it's like we look down and we recognize the number and the name. We recognize the call. And yet how often do we still just click deny? God, I don't know them well enough. I can't speak out. God, I don't understand all the answers, so how am I, what if they ask me something I don't get? God, what am I going to do if, if it causes a rift in the relationship? God, how do I show someone that's far from you what it's like to be near to you? And so often, you and I and we will look at that call and we'll be like, we have a call to witness, and we'll click deny. And yet, as someone who would love or who has had a circumstance when I wish someone had witnessed what had been going on and get, spoken the truth. Friends, you and I know and love people who need to know the truth spoken to them in love. And when that comes and when the Holy Spirit calls, will we answer that call? Or will we allow fear or insecurity or whatever it may be, people pleasing, whatever it may be, to cause us to just click and point deny? And so as we look at what it means to be called to witness in our passage this morning, we're going to take a few moments to do that. But I hope and I pray that as we enter into this time, that the Holy Spirit will be putting names and faces in our hearts to be able to say, this is someone I'm calling you to witness. Because friends, we might think that it's all about bringing people to church and, and having a pastor do this role. And I'm honored to be up here and honored to do this. But 
our walk with God can't just be invitational. Can it be that? Yes, absolutely. But we are also called to be incarnational. It's not just about bringing someone to a church building. It's about building the people by being the church outside of a building. And so as we recognize this, my hope and prayer is the Holy Spirit is putting names and faces so that when we are in those moments and when we feel the Holy Spirit calling, we wouldn't click deny. We'd click accept. Even though we don't know everything, we won't let what we don't know change who we do and witness to him and for him on his behalf. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person who's part of our service today, whether live in person, live online, watching or listening later. Lord, I know that each person here is someone that is deeply loved and created and formed by you. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would work in this time we have together. Holy Spirit, would you please bring names and faces that you have been calling us to witness to. And, and the idea of witnessing can be overwhelming and scary and feels like a lot. But, Lord, may, may we receive that call and may we answer that call that you've put on our hearts. Lord, I pray that as we dive into your word this morning, that I would decrease, that you would increase, that you would speak in a personal, powerful, impactful way to each and every one of us. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to be in primarily in 1 Peter chapter 2, if you want to turn there. Um, but we're going to look at this first idea from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So in the beginning of the book of Acts, uh, for some background info, the book of Acts is actually part two of a story written by a doctor named Luke. The part one is what we see in the Gospel of Luke. And so at the end of the Gospel of Luke, in Luke 24, he talks about how there will be preaching about the forgiveness of sins and repentance to all the nations. And then he says, you are witnesses of this. And that's how, it's like verse 50, give or take, in Luke 24. And that's how part one of Luke's story ends. And then Acts comes, and this is in the very beginning of the book of Acts, and it's reiterating the call for us, for his disciples, for his apostles to be witnesses. He says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, this context here of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth is important because Jerusalem was the, was, I mean, the center of the Hebrew faith, but it was also the, like the, where they were from. It was the big city near them. Then the idea of Judea and Samaria, they included the same region, but Judea um, was, a, was the same region, but Samaria was in that region, but Samaria specifically held the context of, of people who were Gentiles, people who were far from God. So this would be like saying, you know, we will be witnesses in Poway and San Diego and then also in our county or our state, but it's including those who are far from God and those who are, already know about him but still need to be reminded of his love for us. And then it ends to the idea of the ends of the earth. And this right here is a rough outline of how the book of Acts goes. Is that chapters 1 through 7 are all about the Jerusalem church and the Christians there. And then starting in uh, chapter 8 is when it spreads to Judea. And then Philip goes and he shares with the Samaritan or the Ethiopian. They go to Samaria. There. So it's, it's continued to expand it. And then by Acts chapter 13, Paul starts on his missionary journeys so that the gospel is spread to the ends of the earth. Now... We're not going to dive all the way into that, but it's the reminder that he, he's calling all of us to be witnesses. 
Not just me because I have the honor to be in this role and to, to be able to share every Sunday morning. Yes, that's my job. But if I'm only doing this on the 52 and we're not living, being witnesses beyond the 52, then we're missing the point. And so here's a quotation I want to share with you, and, and I hit on it a little bit earlier. But some think that only ministers are to preach, but that's wrong. Every Christian is to be a witness. Every Christian is to be a witness. Not the ones with master's degrees, not the ones who've served in ministries for years, not the only ones that only grew up in the faith in the house. Every Christian is to be a witness. And in fact, all of us are being witnesses, but are we being good witnesses or bad ones? Every follower of Christ is to preach the gospel. We can preach by sharing our experiences with others. We can preach by exalting Christ in our daily lives. Sermons which are seen are often more effective than those which are heard. The truth is the best sermons are both heard and seen. And so it's this idea, but Billy Graham, it's this idea of acknowledging that yes, we, some of you are like, I don't know how to share my faith. I don't know how to do that. And if that's you, then we can share just what has God done in your life? Some of you say, well, I know what God has done in my life, but my actions, they're not always matching my proclamation of faith. And that if someone were to listen to our life and they didn't see, uh, what they, would they be able to pick us out as being Christians or Christ followers or not? So what does it look like for us to have live lives, live sermons out that are both seen and heard? Well, it reminds us of our main point this morning is this, that we are called to witness to who God is by our words and our actions to our family, friends, community, and world. In the same way that there's this fourfold idea in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that it's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. There's these fourfold groups or fourfold uh, sections of people. These are the people that we have a similar idea. It's to our family, those who see us each and every day. Those that when we come home, the masks are off, and how are we really beyond Sunday morning? Because we can all put on a good face for Sunday morning for service and kids ministry, youth ministry, but how are we Monday through Saturday with our family, the ones who know us best? Our friends, the ones that God has put in our sphere of influence, are we living in such a way that it points people to Christ? The community around us, which is our county and our city, are we being a light that if our church was no longer in Poway, would Poway in San Diego County be like something's missing? That we've lost out because this church that has served and reached our community is gone and there is a gap now. And then our world, it's supporting the sharing of the gospel, regardless of borders, regardless of where people are from, regardless of socioeconomic status, regardless of country of origin. It's just saying, will we be willing to be witnesses by our words and our actions across the world? So let's, um, let's break this down. How are we called to be witnesses? There's three different ways that we'll look at briefly this morning. First one is we're called to witness to who God is by the words we say, by what it is that we actually say. Because, you know, there's, there, are, there is the idea of, you know, preach uh, often and if necessary, use words. And I think the intention of that sounds good. But the truth is there have to be words about who Jesus is. Otherwise, we're just nice people. Is it okay to be nice people? Of course. But there's a difference between being nice people and people who are changed by God to change the world. 
There's a difference between someone who is just kind, which again, not, not disparaging that, but there's someone who's kind because it's God's kindness that brought them the, the need for forgiveness and repentance. And so it's us living these out in such a way and, and that the words we say match the power of the gospel in our lives. So let's start here. We're, we're going to just jump in in 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 9. And so verse 9 through 10 say this. Peter, who was one of Jesus' closest friends, he writes this to the exiles, to people who are spread out throughout, um, throughout the area. He says, dear friends, I urge you, Oh, sorry, verse 9. I apologize. I went too far. <laughs> but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You know, some of us, we get caught up in the questions people may ask us. They, they'll, they'll ask us questions. Well, if you believe in an all-powerful God, can God make a hot dog so hot that even he couldn't eat it? Real question that youth group, questions ask, or youth group students ask me. And you're like, that's such a not, like, huh? Like, why are we even talking about this? But people try to find intellectual just reasons not to actually allow God to change their hearts. And so they will find things and ask questions. We think, God, I don't know. I don't even like hot dogs. How am I going to answer that question? But here's the idea. It's acknowledging that we allow questions or fears or insecurities to cause us to not say words. What's one of the main ways that we can combat these fears and insecurities and questions that people might ask us? Friends, it's being so ingrained and, and immersed in God's word that we're not relying on our own clever answers. We are relying on the truth of God's scripture. And it's recognizing that if we, are, if we know God's word, and if we've talked a few months ago about how God's word of the sword of the spirit is it, it's, it part of the armor of God, it's our offensive weapon to be able to fight up against uh, the evil one. It's, if that's so important to us, or if we make it important to us, then it will allow us to not fear the questions that people have. Why? Because it's either, here's what I've learned from God's word to answer those questions, or Friends, there is nothing wrong with saying, I don't know, but I will find out, and that's follow-up. We can say we don't know because we don't know everything. The problem is if we pretend we know and we don't. The problem is if we say, I don't know, and don't follow up. So if we say, I don't know, but I will, I will look into it, and next time we connect, I will have an answer for you. So we think we allow insecurities and things to stop us from sharing our faith. But how simple is it that Peter, what Peter tells us to do in this passage? He tells us that we're chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation. These are all ver, uh, verbiage that goes back to the Hebrew culture and goes back to the, the Israelites as the chosen people, a holy nation, a kingdom of priests. And, and it's now allocating Old Testament, verbiage, Old Testament verbiage to the New Testament church. And so it's saying, you now have this identity. We have this identity. And what do we do? We declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. It's saying, it reminds me of John chapter 9, when there was a man who was born blind, and the, the, the disciples look at him, and, and they ask Jesus, and they say, was it this man or his parents that had sinned? And Jesus says, this man 
was like this so that I may be glorified. So that we could, so people could see what's going on. So he ends up healing this man. And the man then gets questioned by the Pharisees, like, who did this? And he says, I don't, I don't know who he is. But what I do know is I once was blind, but now I see. We cannot let the fear of the questions that we don't have answers to stop us from sharing that Jesus is the answer. We can't allow the insecurities of what if someone asks me this to stop people from asking or stop us from sharing the most important answer to any question. And that's where can I find hope? Where can I find purpose? Where can I go from the darkness of my life into wonderful light? It's through Jesus. Now, I know, I, I know to be true as well, that there will be many people that we know and love who are far from God and don't have a relationship with him that do not want a relationship with him. If you were to ask them, they'd be like, I'm not living in darkness. I'm doing great. And so if we just walk up to people and be like, you're clearly living in darkness, that may not work. But what we can do is that we can invest in the relationship so much that not if, but when those times of darkness and storms and difficulty come in their lives, they know to whom they can turn to ask for prayer, to grab a meal, to sit and listen, to grieve. And they would look at you as people who can do that. And then when that happens, we don't need to know if God can make a hot dog so hot that even he couldn't eat it. We can just say, hey, I've been in times of darkness, and here's how God brought me through. I've been in the depravity of my own sin, and here's how God brought me out of that into his wonderful light. It's declaring the praises, and it's just saying, John 9, I don't know all the answers to the questions you have. What I know as I once was blind, but now I see. He once was covered in darkness, and now he's covered in light. Mark chapter 5, when the demoniac was healed, he wants to go with Jesus. And he says, can I go with you? And Jesus says, no, go to the Decapolis, the 10 cities. And he says, go and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Mark chapter 5, 19 and 20. He doesn't say, here are the apologetics lessons you need. Here's, here's the Bible tract that I want you to memorize. He says, go and just tell people. I once was in chains, literally and figuratively, and now I've been set free because of Jesus. It's acknowledging that the words we say are so important. Because if the way we post online, if the way that we talk with other people, if the way that we disparage people far from God looks no different than how people far from God disparage one another or post or do things, if the words we say can either open the door for a relationship with Jesus with those around us, or it could slam it shut. So the words we say are vitally important. Not that everything we need to say has to just, you know, tie back to Jesus, like, um, you know, how are you? And then just, I don't know, I can't even come up with an example. It's fine. Um, it's just acknowledging this fact that the words we say, that out of the overflow of our heart come the words of our mouth, Luke chapter 6, and Jesus talks about that. So our hearts need to be able to be in such a place that the overflow, the words we say, allow us to be witnesses that people would hear. But remember, 
as we saw earlier from Billy Graham, the, the most important sermons are not just the ones that are heard, they're also the ones that are seen. So we are also called to witness, not just by the words we say, but we are also called to witness by the, to who God is by the way we live. We are called to witness to who God is by the way we live. Verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Verse 12 is an honor. I'm just going to read it as well. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. That we have to remember that when Peter wrote... First Peter, he was writing to actual Jewish believers that now became Christians that were spread out because of, or they were spread out for the Jewish diaspora. And they'd all heard, they'd heard on the day of Pentecost, Jewish people gathered in Jerusalem, heard the apostles speaking in their native tongues in order to talk about the gospel of Jesus. And then thousands were added to that number, but they did not all stay in Jerusalem. They came together, learned about the gospel, and then went back home. Peter's writing to people who are actually foreigners and exiles. And he's saying, listen, when you are living with an exile mindset, you are living with the mindset that every action you do, every word you say, every aspect of how you live will be something that people notice. And it's either going to draw them closer to what the message you have to receive, or it's going to be further away. And so recognizing that, friends, for those of us who follow Jesus, we need to live for him beyond the 52 Sundays a year. We need to be able to live in such a way that we abstain from sinful desires, that, we, that people would look at us and they would say, there's something different about your, the way you live. There needs to be an impact because our words will have more weight when our actions match our words. And so Warren Wearsby says it this way. He says, we do not witness only with our lips. We must back up our talk with our walk. There should be nothing in our conduct that will give the unsaved ammunition to attack Christ and the gospel. Our good works must back up our good words. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 16, and the entire Bible echoes this truth. Matthew 5, 16, as it says, the idea that when the people would see your good deeds, they would glorify your Father in heaven. So that's where that passage is. And so here, what, what do we know? We know that if someone says something with their lips and acts completely different in their lifestyle, that they've lost integrity with us. How many times have you had someone that says things like, oh yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll be there, I'll show up, and then they just no call, no show? How many times have you had someone say, no, this time I promise I'm going to make a change, and then they don't? What do you do? You start to tune out their words because their talk doesn't match their walk. Friends, the way that we live, if again, if people were to do a blind test and just see, hear about our lives, and if it looks no different than the world around us, if our walk doesn't match our talk, then people will just start to tune us out. And honestly, it, it would make sense because we understand why they would do that because that's what we would do to someone who said one thing and lived another way. So it's a call to rise up to the standard. As Paul says in Ephesians 4.1, to live a life worthy of the calling that we have received. To, the call to be able to follow Christ and to be witnesses. 
There's a story from 1805. Here's a drawing or a painting of a Native American named Red Jacket. Um, and he was someone that was a, he was a, um, a chief from the Seneca tribe back east, which, sidebar, not important at all, but um, I like how when we live in San Diego, just everything is back east, so I don't even need to be specific. It just, it's all back east. So, um, back east, no, it was closer to New York. So, he talked about, and there was a, a minister, there was a missionary in that area by the last name of Cram, and here's what Red Jacket said, because they had experienced, Native Americans had experienced, and I read the longer speech, I'm not going to do the whole thing, and what he shared was, you know, when you all first came, when, when people first came from your country, we had a big seat at the table, and you had a small seat at the table, but we welcomed you in, and the more that came, the over time, now you all have prospered here, and now you have a bigger seat, and we have a smaller seat, and then he starts to talk about just the importance of, of you know, he heard the missionary, uh, Reverend Cram, share about the gospel. Then this is what he says in response to the words, because he, he hears it, and then he says, you've asked for a response, and I think that's right. It's fair for you to ask for a response of what you're saying about your religion, your faith, and here is my response to you. He says this, brother, we are told that you have been preaching to the white people in this place. These people are our neighbors. We are acquainted with them. We will wait a little while and see what effect your preaching has upon them. If we find it does them good, makes them honest, and less disposed to cheat Indians, we will then consider again what you have said. It's, it's the idea that the, 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 when they came from Europe, they were the foreigners on this land. And the idea is then saying people are looking at how we live at how they lived back then, and does the preaching of Christ, and not just the preaching, but the word changing our lives, is there an effect? Or do we just come and we listen to a message that either makes us laugh or challenged or encouraged or cry? We just come on a Sunday morning, but beyond the 52, we're no different. That there are people watching how you and I live. And it's either going to open up the door for Christ or it can slam it shut. So when we have this dynamic of acknowledging the way we live is a way that we are witnesses to God. Brendan Manning says this. I've quoted this so many times, but I'll quote it again, that the single greatest cause of atheism today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and go out and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. And this is why it's so important that the words we say and the way we live match and that they are consistent with being witnesses to who Jesus is. Because we can say anything we want about how great things are on a Sunday morning, but if we are living differently Monday through Saturday, the people we try to reach, the people we want to witness to, the people we want to know and love Christ because we know and love them, they don't see us on a Sunday morning. They see us Monday through Saturday. What kind of witness is, are the words that we say being, and what kind of witness is the way we live? Lastly, in addition to the words we say, the way we live, the last ones are that we are called a witness to who God is by the deeds we do. So this is similar to 
uh, the one we read in the sense of how we live, but the first one was specifically saying, let's not live in such a way that whether it's because of sinfulness or because of a, a besmirched witness, that we are not able to share the gospel because people won't give credence. So the first, the, the way we live, that idea is let's live in such a way that it won't be a negative on Christ's name. This points us to, do, to how can we be a, bring a positive to Christ's name? How can we live in such a way that people see us as those who serve and who love and who give and who share? 1 Peter 2, verse 12. I read, the, read this already, but I'm going to revisit it again. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. That they would see the deeds, the good things that we do. One of the things that gets lost in the annals of history, especially um, in a post-Christian culture, is People think about Christians in only certain ways, and they say, well, how could you do this, and how could you say that, and how could you think this? But we have to evaluate that the bigger picture of Christianity over the, the span of the 2,000 years has become so ingrained in our worldview, we just don't uh, attribute it to Christ. The idea that when there were babies that were, um, the babies that were not perfect— in the Roman Empire, they would just be exposed. They would be given up to exposure and killed or left to die. And yet Christians would come around and they would welcome them in. Why? Because there is a value in every life. If, there's, if we're not made in the image of a God that loves us and created us, if we're not, where's the value of a life beyond what someone can do or produce or whatever? So the innate idea of a value in a human life came from Christians. That when people would come and there would be the sick and the hurting and the wounded, hospitals came in order to, to, to provide health care. Those came and started by Christians. They were living out the gift of hospitality. They were welcoming people in and ministering to them with health care and being able to do that. I mean, so many of the things that we look at that we would say, oh, that's a good thing. They do. They have a foundation. They have a foundation in Christians living out their faith through the words they say, the way they live, and the deeds they do. And so now, you know, people may not look at hospitals and think, oh, they want to glorify God because of that. But that's the foundation. That's where it came from. Here's what Thomas Schreiner says in his commentary about this passage. He says, Peter did not summon believers to a verbal campaign of self-defense or to the writing of tracts in which they defend their morality. It wasn't about saying, well, here's this logical argument to say we actually are good and we actually do this and all that. It wasn't about just a verbal argument or a campaign of self-defense. He enjoined believers to pursue virtue and goodness so that their goodness would be apparent to all in society. It was letting their actions speak louder than their words but still needing to say the words. There still needed to be that emphasis that the reason why we serve, the reason why we give, the reason why we share, the reason why we love is not because we're just good humans on our own. So we've been people who are changed by God to change the world. So God is constantly shaping us to become more like Christ, who through his words, through his way he lived and through his deeds, 
witness to the Father. And now we as Christians, as little Christs, get to be people who are witnesses to who Jesus is through our words and our deeds and our lives. In 2018, the Nobel Prize was uh, combined with two different winners, and one of those winners was Dr. Dennis from, uh, he was a Congolese gynecologist that when there were um, just very brutal crimes against women, uh, that he was someone that came in and he was able to be on the forefront of being able to heal and to bring restoration. And he talks about this idea that as he, as he won the Nobel Peace Prize in 2018, he connected the reason why he did what he did to something beyond, to, to what it meant to follow Christ. Yes, it was a good thing to do, a necessary, important thing to do, but it also, in his mind, is a godly thing to do. Here's what he says. As long as our faith is defined by theory and not connected with practical realities, we shall not be able to fulfill the mission entrusted to us by Christ. If we are Christ's, we have no choice but to be alongside the weak, the wounded, the refugees, and women suffering discrimination. It's recognizing that in order for us to have an impact, it means that we have to roll up our sleeves and get our hands dirty with figuring out how to best serve those who are hurting in our community. It's recognizing that we've heard this adage all the time, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Do, do, you, do our friends and our family and our community and our world know how much we care about them because of Christ? We might have answers, we might not, but do they know how much we care? Because they won't care how much we know until then. And so it's, it's wrestling with this this morning. That I, I know preaching a sermon like this, um, most of us, if not all of us, will have moments where we're like, okay, yep, um, the words I say, uh, I'm okay with that, but not great. I still, you know, I still do this and that. The, the way I live and, and the things I avoid, and uh, that's not great either. Oh, the deeds I do, do I do enough good things? This can be a, a sermon where it can leave us feeling... Um, uh, woefully falling short in a lot of ways. And so the encouragement here is recognize that we are not perfect people. We've said this last week. We're people who are being changed by God to change the world. And we are still here means God is not done working in us and changing us. And he's not done working through us to have a change in this world around us. That you, friends, are witnesses. We have the choice to be good ones or bad ones. We evaluate the way that we speak. We evaluate the way that we live. We evaluate the deeds that we do. And it causes us to reflect, Lord, am I being a witness? Because Lord, I know, I, I don't have a doubt. We don't, if you follow Jesus, you don't have a doubt that at some point that we are supposed to share our faith. We are supposed to serve the world. We are supposed to do these things. And, and the call will keep coming up in our lives when you're sitting across from someone at work and you find out that they're going through a hard time and you, you know you want to share hope with them, but you're not sure how to go about it with them. The call comes. It's the Holy Spirit saying, will you be my witness? Will we deny? Will we accept? In your classrooms, when you're sitting around someone and someone shares that they're having a hard time in their homes and you're a friend that's just like, 
I, I know I want to be able to pray with them, but I'm afraid. The Holy Spirit's calling, will you deny or will you accept? And accepting isn't about knowing all the answers. But it's about not allowing the answers we don't know stop us from sharing the answer we do know. It's not about having our lives perfect. But it's recognized that we're not perfect people, but we're being changed by God to change the world. One person at a time. It's not about just us beating ourselves up because we're not doing enough. It's about being built up so we can do exactly what God's called us to do. So as we leave and we close in a moment of prayer and we're thinking about the names and the faces, would we pray that God would work? Would we pray that the Holy Spirit would open up those doors? And when we pray for the courage and the boldness, as 2 Timothy 1 says, that we have not been given a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. Would we have the boldness, the power and the love and self-discipline to be able to change the way we, what words we say, change the way we live, and change the deeds we do so that when the Holy Spirit calls us to be a witness to those around us, we can click accept because we know how important it is to wish there were witnesses for us. Like when we got in a hit and run, I would have loved to have someone to be a witness. And yet, now we get to be the people who can be witnesses for others so that they can experience the hope and the purpose that only comes from a relationship with Jesus, that they too would come from darkness to Christ's wonderful light. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person who's part of our service today, whether they're live in person, live online, watching, or listening later. And Lord, I thank you that you, Holy Spirit, are with us now. And Lord, I, Holy Spirit, I pray that while there are some people in this room who are joining us that um, are likely not quite in relationship with you at this time, Holy Spirit, I thank you that they are here, and I pray that you are able to um, just open up their eyes and hearts in a way that only you can whether that's a first step of faith or a, a question they want to talk through or um, just something they're wrestling with in their own lives and maybe they're hurting and just need to hear that you love them. And Lord, I pray for those of us who already have that relationship with you. Holy Spirit, would you give us the names and faces of people that you have put in our lives to be able to share the hope for who you are, that we would recognize that we are called to be witnesses to who you are through the words we say, the way we live, the deeds we do to our family, our friends, our community, and the whole world. Because we've been called to be witnesses, just like the apostles were in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So Holy Spirit, would you give us the ability to speak truth in love? Would you give us the ability to say no to things that would besmirch our witness and say yes to the things that bolster it? Would you give us the ability to know we don't need to know all the answers, but we want to share the answer that we know. Say, I don't know, but I was once blind, but now I see. I once was in darkness, but now, thanks to you, Jesus, we are in your wonderful light. Holy Spirit, may we answer your call to witness. Not just on Sundays, but beyond the 52, every day of our lives, may we hear your call and respond by clicking accept and being used by you to share those, the gospel with those far from you.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We want to be a church where people are changed by God to change the world. If you want to partner with us in this way, you can start by doing these two things. The first, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, you can do that by hitting the subscribe button wherever you're listening so you can stay connected with us and we can broaden our reach. And the second, and this might be the most important thing you do, share this message with someone you know. And as always, remember you are prayed for, cared for, and loved. See you next time.